developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you. You define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Lynn, and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Today, visiting with us is my very dear friend and optometric colleague, Dr. Nancy Torgerson, or Dr. T, as her staff and friends call her. Dr. T is truly an amazing person, as you'll quickly see her power, passion, success, creativity, and influencing abilities. Today, we're going to talk about how she built her long-established optometry center, which incorporates the leading edge science of vision therapy. Dr. T can attest firsthand to the efficacy of vision therapy, having experienced remarkable results as a patient herself and from the thousands of successful patients outcome. These patients have often lived under the labels of learning disability, ADHD, autism, brain injury, special needs. So let me just share a few insights about Dr. T. She is fluent in compassion and enthusiasm. Just love that. Highly educated and credentialed. Dr. T is a modern day visionary, a recipient of numerous awards in international speaking. Equally comfortable and competent in her roles as mother, doctor, adjunct professor, founder, and business owner. Decades of growth and experience led her to create her new book, which is ready to be published very soon, The Essential Playbook, Maximizing Outcomes in Optometric Vision Therapy. All of the optometry and optometric vision therapists will love this uh, wealth of information that she will be sharing with them through her new book. Dr. T attributes much of her success to the team approach in her practice and to her husband of 40 years for his support, creativity, and thoughtfulness. But most importantly, she's the best friend ever. Caring, inspiring, powerful, and more to come. So Nancy, Dr. T, welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Thank you so much, Dr. Lynn. Great to have you here. So share with our audience a little bit about your major, your amazing journey, starting with, you know, what is vision therapy and, and how that impacted your personal journey? Oh, I'd love to. I was set off to college in my first year. I uh, went to a small college in New York and came home. And home, I grew up in Seattle, Washington. Um, came home for the summer, and my summer job fell through. So I ended up doing a temporary job for a husband and wife team downtown Seattle of optometrists. I'd never had an eye exam. And so this was new to me. And towards the end of 
the summer, Dr. B said these words, if I had to do it again, she was retiring soon. She goes, I go into vision and learning. Like, vision and learning? Never heard of that. What could be so intriguing that at, towards the end of your career, you wish you'd gone into that? So I uh, went to Pacific University to see what that was about and uh, changed school. Um, I didn't learn about the vision and learning right away. But when I was in optometry school, I got to see patients before we had all of our classes, because there weren't many women back in the day. And Dr. Lynn can talk about that. Uh, We've, we so, have that shared experience, don't we? <laughs> we sure do. And with this patient who was afraid of um, males, uh, I was able to do vision therapy one-on-one -on -one and uh, was told what to do. And they looked through uh, a glass window and helped me provide the care. And she went from not being able to read to being able to read because her vision was challenging her. And I was like, whoa, if you could help people like this, this is, I am on the right track. So that was the beginning. After that, I found out in optometry school that I could get great grades, but I had to work especially hard, and reading put me to sleep. <laughs> and that wasn't helpful. Um, went to a physician because I thought, maybe I had mono. Maybe I was anemic. There's something wrong. and he said, you need a, an eye exam. I said, but I see 2020. So I went through a visual exam and found out that sure enough, I had 2020. I saw wonderfully well, but my eyes didn't work together. I had one eye that saw higher than the other. And because of that, the two pieces of information from each eye didn't collaborate real well. And Reading put me to sleep. I had the joy of going through vision therapy and being able to see, no pun intended, the difference and what a joy that was. Yeah. Did you actually go through vision therapy when you were in optometry school? That's where I started. I got uh -huh. the first phase of vision therapy in optometry school. Uh, and I call it my first phase because it worked more on the tracking and how my eyes came together and how I focused. When I got out of optometry school, I was fortunate to be in a practice where uh, vision therapy was their main joy <laughs> of what they did. And there I got involved with the visual information processing and regained my ability to visualize, to picture and imagine pictures in my mind to help with memory and creativity and all those wonderful things. So my journey with vision therapy personally began in optometry school, but then I had more pieces of the puzzle put together later on. So could I just um, ask you to explain, I'm sure a lot of our listeners 
haven't necessarily heard of what vision therapy is. Uh, I'm sure they've had, many of our listeners have had regular eye exams and and made sure their eye health was fine and got glasses or contacts. But uh, can you go into a little more depth? What is vision therapy and what type of um, visual problems does it seem to help and improve? Well, when we talk about vision therapy, people will many times stop with thinking about eyeballs and eyeball therapy. But really, it's retraining the brain and the neural pathways to help the eyes acquire information. So each eye takes in information about wavelengths of light. And that information at the brain level tells us, is put together with our past experiences and present what's going on and helps us judge and react to what's happening in our world. So if the information coming in is not efficient or not correct on how we judge space and where things are in space, then it creates all kinds of trouble from, like I said, for myself, reading for extended lengths of time to sports. And uh, we may swing early uh, in baseball or not be able to the soccer ball where we want it to go. Uh, it can create difficulties in handwriting because our eyes don't tell us where the paper is, so we may misjudge and press hard, or it may, for me, writing uphill because my eyes were misaligned in the vertical space. So I would write uphill, um, and when extremely tired, occasionally I still do. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> So uh, it, reading, sports, uh, computer work, oh my goodness, now with the demand of uh, Zoom and all the things we've gone through in the last couple of years, uh, people are getting more headaches. So it can create headaches. It can create inability to remember things efficiently. Um, spelling can be problematic. Uh, Running, jumping, and playing uh, can be hard if our eyes aren't telling us the truth where things are. And vision therapy is retraining the brain by creating novel experiences and being those experiences being meaningful. We like to have it in our office, and I know your office as well, Lynn, individualized. And so it's planned for each person depending on their needs in visual information processing uh, with depth perception, with tracking, with how our eyes move, uh, with how we focus in space. And we try to make it fun. So it's a challenge, but we try to make it novel, new to the brain, so the brain pays attention to vision therapy, meaningful so that it will impact those places where we have gaps and make it fun and create those new neural connections. Um, the goal is to maximize performance in visually related daily living skills, be it work, uh, school, sports, driving, uh, 
it's it's a joy to work in it. And I agree, you and I have very similar kinds of practices and experiencing the life-changing and transformation of many of our patients is what keeps us going all these years. Um, one of the questions I know I get a lot, and I'm sure you receive these same questions from parents, uh, is how do I pick up whether or not my child has a vision problem? Because they've often had, well, many parents don't know that their kids should be visually evaluated every year. And even if they're visually evaluated, usually what comes back is perfect vision 2020. And so they pretty much take vision off the board as being a, a problem uh, for the child. So what are some of the tips uh, for parents on, on how to pick up a child? And we talk about children. This also happens with adults as well. But uh, what are some of the tips to help people find out whether or not they have some type of visual problem beyond 2020? One of the first things is, is or are you struggling or frustrated with learning, starting there? And you know someone's very, very bright, but are they to their potential? And you may see that they lean or tilt uh, when they're reading or writing. And that's one great way to get rid of one eye because you get your nose in the way if you tilt to one side or you cover an eye or you let your hair cover an eye. There was someone in the office yesterday that uses her eye, her hair as an eye pack practically. Um, <laughs> you just look at how they're doing things. And the when we say 2020, it, you're fine, fine for what? So looking, are they rubbing their eyes? Do they get car sick? Do they fall asleep with reading? Um, when they listen to you read, do they love to hear the story? But when they have to do it personally, it's challenging to read. Did they begin to read and reading was fun until they got to chapter one? And so learning to read can be fun. And then all of a sudden they take away the pictures and they make the font small and they cram so much on the pages that now the visual system isn't prepared for that. So that can be the um, case. Uh, do they need to use their finger as a marker past age five or six? Because tracking or making their eyes go across the page is hard, or they skip, or they go down a line and then up a line. Uh, so it takes me, really have to be attuned to watching, and even our teachers don't know these signs. And uh, it's interesting to me, one of my best referral sources for a while, way back in the day, was a piano teacher. Because she could see how they tracked the music, or did they want her to play it, and then they memorize it by ear and be able to play it. But when they had to read the music, there was no way. So she caught on rapidly on how to pick out people with tracking problems. That um, is so true. Um, I know because I've had music teachers also be wonderful in picking up uh, kids with 
tracking problems. Also, art teachers and gym teachers. Gym teachers yeah. see the coordination and difficulty in catching, and art teachers see the eye-hand drawing kinds of issues. So um, when people know what to look for, it's very obvious. It's just many people don't know what to look for. Right. And we both would have hoped by now in our career that this would be as well known as occupational therapy or speech and language therapy. Um, and it isn't yet. <laughs> and it's getting more and more known. But how many people are struggling because we don't pick it up in the physician's um, wellness check or at school during um, just everyday working? Um, and I hope we can turn that around. Yeah. Millions and millions of people are undetected. Uh which is so frustrating for the patients, for the parents and teachers, and certainly us as well. Um, I might mention also uh, there's checklists for parents that are available in another of in a number of places. Uh, I know on my website, lynnhellerstein.com, there's a checklist that you can just, you know, take and see if your child's showing these types of symptoms. C O V D C O VD, College of Optometrists and Vision Development.org has checklists. So it's really important for parents to uh, um, really empower themselves with tools to ask the right questions. What kind of questions, uh, Dr. T, do you tell your parents to ask their doctor as to whether or not they have an eye doctor that's really going to look beyond the typical eyesight and eye health kinds of issues? you have a couple questions that you'd uh, tell parents to ask their doctor? Absolutely. One is, do they do vision therapy in their office? Mm -hmm. And if they don't, do they refer? And who do they refer to? So knowing that they go beyond just the 2020 eyesight part, do they measure how the eyes track and focus? and team together, um, and are they, do they refer frequently? Because you want someone that's really looking beyond the eye health and eyesight at how the eyes track, how they follow and move, how they focus. Uh, do they look at visual information processing? Do they look at extended testing to look for how visual memory, visual processing, automaticity, all these things that add up to a rich visual system working well for you. So they don't have to do it but themselves, but are they open and do they know enough of when to pick up and refer? And you can look at the checklist and we have it on our website also you can look at these checklists and all of a sudden you start going, oh my, they do move their lips when they're reading. And we call that subvocalization because they want to give the information to their ears because auditory picks it up better than just visual. And, and they do make errors in copying. And 
they don't chunk words at a time when they look up the copy. They do one letter or one word at a time, and it takes hours to do homework. And that's one of the things. Does it take your child or you hours to do something when other people only take minutes? Um, that could be a red flag. Yeah, those uh, parents that come in complaining their kids take, you know, two hours to do what should be 15 or 20 minutes of homework. And we always try to separate out, is it because they really are visually processing well and it's taken them a long time? Or do they have this terrible attitude that they hate, they hate homework? And, um, you know, so most of that time is spent fighting and it and avoiding and 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 so we talk about lots of lots of ways to get around uh, the lack of efficiency in completing tasks and homework. Um, Nancy, we're going to break here in just a minute um, for um, a few a uh, few pieces of information. But when we come back, what I'd love to start talking to you about is the other types of patients that you treat with vision therapy. Those patients with crossed eyes and lazy eyes and patients with uh, concussion and stroke. And I know you see many patients on the autism spectrum and many gifted patients. And so would uh, love to pick that conversation up at the, uh, in just a minute after our few commercials. Can your child see, really see, more than 2020? Does your child struggle in school, have trouble with tracking when reading, or resist writing? Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's award-winning book, See It, Say It, Do It, provides parents and teachers with specific tools and strategies in visualization and processing. Improve and empower your child's learning and performance in school, sports, and play. Get See It, Say It, Do It on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Vision Beyond Sight will help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Join Dr. Lynn each week for a new exciting episode, Vision Beyond Sight. Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's book, 50 Tips to Improve Your Sports Performance, has identified the top 50 ways for you to achieve excellent results in any sport activity, enhance eye-mind-body coordination skills, achieve the mental edge, prevent injuries. This book belongs in every athlete's or coach's sports bag. 
Get 50 tips to improve your sports performance on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Welcome back to Vision Beyond Sight. Here's Dr. Lynn. Everyone, we're here with Dr. Nancy Torgerson, or Dr. T, as her colleagues and friends call her, and we've been talking about the impact of vision therapy and how it changes lives. We've spent this first part of our um, time together really talking about those kids with vision and learning problems, and often those kiddos are misdiagnosed as having learning disabilities, or they show up as having attention problems, or behavioral problems. And it's not to say that vision therapy can cure all of those types of uh, labels, kids with those labels, but often vision is an underlying factor. It may be the priority. For example, uh, um, at least 70 to 80% of those children with special needs and learning problems have some type of visual problem. And even if they're 20-20, they may have problems tracking and focusing and using both eyes together. So Dr. T has uh, really shared a lot of how important vision, vision processing is uh, to evaluate and then to do the appropriate vision treatment. And we both have had such wonderful successes. Thousands of children have um, improved in their schoolwork and sports and since we've both been in practice for so many years, how many years for you, Dr. T, have you been in practice? Uh, 42. 42. So I've been in practice a little longer than that. Uh, we've seen thousands of kids improve their schoolwork and their life performance. And since we've been in practice so long, we both are now seeing grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> the parents had brought in, now their grandkids are coming in, and, and our patients that we treated 20, 30 years ago are bringing their kids in, and, and uh, because many of these vision problems could run in families, so it's been quite the journey together. Uh, what I'd love to do now, Dr. T, is talk about the other types of patients that are so interesting in our practice that also might find uh, vision therapy as a wonderful resource for improvement. There's patients that have crossed or lazy eyes, we call strabismus or amblyopia. Uh, many patients, majority of patients that have had concussions or, or head injuries or stroke have vision problems. And I know Dr. T has a large practice treating patients uh, that have been identified as being on the autism spectrum. Uh, many patients who are gifted may have vision problems. So I'll let you share some of your patient stories uh, in some of these other areas as well. Oh, I'd love to. Uh, when it comes to crossed eye or strabismus and lazy eye amblyopia, uh, we have a good fortune of a pediatric ophthalmologist asking us to uh, have a second location in his in the same building as he is. Um, but early on, one of the stories was quite different with uh, collaborating with patients. Uh, mom came in with, I think he was around six or seven years old. That hit her son at six or seven years old. And the ophthalmologist in town had said that he needed surgery for his turned eye. 
And uh, not only did he have a turned eye, but the eye that turned, even with the best glasses, couldn't see 2020. He saw around 2200. Can you, uh, could you just stop for a second and explain just the terms? Because parents may hear their eye doctor use certain terms for that. So explain what that uh, terminology would be. So the terminology would be, uh, he has lazy eye because one eye can't see well. And the fancy term for that is amblyopia. And the uh, other term would be convergent strabismus or esotropia or um, accommodated esotropia. So there's all these fancy words, but it just means that the two eyes don't aim in the same place, especially up close for this child. Um, and so she wanted, he wanted, the surgeon wanted to do surgery and mom wanted to uh, look at other options. And we said we do vision therapy together and um, see how much straighter we could help uh, this little guy be. And he got to where he got 3D depth perception because his eyes were working together and went from 2200 down to 2040. Um, And this was after six months of work and mom was so excited. Um, And so she said, I want you to go back to the ophthalmologist with me for his progress evaluation there. And I'm like, uh, I don't think so. I think you can just go. And of course, she convinced me and I went back with her and he did the evaluation. And in his mind, that couldn't have changed like that. So he told the mom in front of me, obviously, my nurse wrote this down wrong in the beginning. And so, I so the ophthalmologist, I, I'm sorry, I, the ophthalmologist couldn't believe that vision therapy could improve his eyes and functioning that much, which is a very common belief that most uh, medical doctors have is that that either correct it, correct it, which isn't correcting, but make the eyes look straighter with surgery and never think about doing vision therapy. And so he must have been stunned to see the results you had. Uh, through vision therapy, which made him almost believe it couldn't happen. That's what it sounds exactly. like. Exactly. <laughs> right. He was done, and so was I, and so was uh-huh. mom. Uh, and that, I actually went home in tears to my husband and just said, even when I can show it change, there's disbelief. And yes. he goes, well, my husband said, well, why? do you do vision therapy and to help people? I was just so upset. And he goes, well, then you need to get a thicker skin uh, because you can't come home every night feeling like this. And it was one of the best learning experiences. And boy, Lynn and I have gone through many learning experiences I've ever had <laughs> is to, it's okay that that doctor doesn't believe as long as I can do a good job and show the parent and show the patient what can happen. And my hope is over the years, and obviously with some, uh, ophthalmologists now refer definitely in our area, but it was so hard to see. But I want to go back to the story of this person 
life changing for him because now he could be confident in learning sports. Now he could be confident in learning to read. So it really turned his life around and um, so exciting to see that. So with crossed eye or lazy eye, you definitely want to see someone that tests and refers or does vision therapy so that you look beyond just the eye turn and the mechanics of the turn, but you get both eyes working with the brain. And that's such a beautiful example of vision beyond sight. There's more than just seeing, more than just eyes straight, but really using both eyes together. What a great example of that. Yeah. When it comes to concussion uh, and acquired brain injury, um, one person that just graduated from vision therapy got a hold of me um, this last weekend because we saw each other in a different situation. And she goes, I need to tell you something. So we, we got away from the other people and she goes, vision therapy is a gift that keeps giving. And I said, how so? And she said, I, I've stopped vision therapy, but I'm continuing to get better in my visual remembering. And she goes, and it's helping my creativity. This person fell and hit the back of her head and had a concussion previously, but this concussion made her feel foggy, brain fog. She um, slipped on stairs. She was misjudging uh, stairs. Um, she's in a uh, profession where uh, depth is really important. And she was uh, second-guessing herself in jobs. Um, it just went on and on. When she came in, she didn't even tell us it had impacted her memory. As she, her eyes didn't came together is what was happening. And um, she got nauseated and sick. Um, and disoriented was a word she used a lot. Um, and Nancy, we, this was just from a fall. She hit her head. Was she yep. hospitalized or nope. have other symptoms? And there was no, it was just a fall. So all these things happened after it. And she didn't really put it together with the fall. Right away, she just felt sick and icky, and then all these other things turned up in her life uh, that were really hard to deal with. Um, when there was a visual, when we had the visual exam, we found that one eye was suppressing, or the brain was turning off the information from one eye. So she would use two eyes, then one eye, and then two eyes, then one eye. So no wonder her judgment of distance was off. Her eyes, when looking up close, became really uncomfortable to look where you might read that space. So her eyes didn't team together. She had lost depth perception, the ability to see in 3D and know where things were physically in space accurately. 
and tracking became really, really difficult. In fact, at the first visit, she couldn't complete the full evaluation because um, it made her so nauseous just doing the visual exam. Right. And many of these patients are, that's sometimes the reason they come in, they get such motion sickness and, and trying to just watch their computer screen. Um, nothing too difficult, but after concussion, all of those symptoms uh, might come up and people don't think about vision be affected because they did not have any direct impact to their eyes. But this goes back to what you were talking about, the brain. Vision right. is in the brain. And when the brain is jostled or, or uh, injured, then all of these types of vision, move, motion, processing problems can appear. And it was, she had a relative in uh, vision therapy. So that's how she ended up in vision therapy, uh, coming to us. And uh, during vision therapy, uh, one of her tracking and teaming, those acquisition skills or acquiring visual information got better and better. And then she uh, saw that her photographic memory came back. She, uh, as a young child, on had the ability just to see clearly and hold that image um, for a long time. And she had feared that that was gone forever and didn't even know that vision therapy might up, open up that door for getting, regaining that ability. And she was so delighted. Uh, she uh, is quite creative in, with making quilts and other things. And her artist part of her was reborn in vision therapy. Um, and it was so nice to see her this weekend and just hear um, the joy she had of what had happened and that she had the good fortune of knowing that vision might be a piece of it. She didn't remember right away because she didn't easily see the vision, but then with a relative's help, guided her uh, this direction. So uh, concussion. Acquire brain injury, people after stroke or car accidents. We work with many people that have been in accidents where whiplash and it's not that bad, seemingly. And then all sorts of different symptoms show up. Um, many physiatrists, uh, doctors that help guide a pathway through acquired brain injury, um, refer. Um, many vestibular doctors or ENT or neuroautolaryngologists, whoa, that's a mouthful, uh, refer. <laughs> because this can be a piece of dizzy, car stick, uh, motion stick. Um, vision can be a piece of it. So... And many of our listeners probably don't know in the hospital setting, there's many optometrists like you and I that consult with patients either in the hospital or patients who have what's called mild concussion, 
mild is a term meaning it's not <laughs> severe, but for a patient, mild can totally change your life and dysfunction. Um, many of those patients find their way to our office through these other specialists, OTs, occupational, physical therapists, speech therapists. But so often it comes from other family members where we've treated the young kid for a learning problem. And that's how I actually got into treating kids with uh, con or adults with concussion. Many of my young kids had grandparents or aunts and uncles that had strokes or car accidents. And they'd say, you know, my grandma reads as bad as I do now. She can't keep her place. And and that's that's how many of us started working with patients with brain injury and concussion. And, and to see the changes that can happen. In fact, um, there will be um, uh, another podcast that will actually have some specialists um, in neurology and neurooptometry talking in even more depth about concussion and vision. So this patient must have been quite happy. She had her life back and has uh, your great work in vision therapy to really thank for many of her successes. What a great story. And when you said that, it reminded me, I did get into working with those on acquired brain injury through occupational therapy. Uh, occupational therapists uh, had their children in vision therapy. And go, we we have. <laughs> if you can help them, you need to be helping our other patients, <laughs> their patients with acquired brain injury. So it was a wonderful match that way of being able to help people in different directions. It and is that, so beautiful. Yeah. Go ahead. So. Well, I'm sorry to say our time is almost uh, up here, and I want to make sure, uh, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap it up? Any any tips or, or great insights that you have? A, a tip is everybody should have a evaluation, a visual evaluation that goes beyond 2020, and we, our youngest patients, has been four and a half months old in vision therapy. She had a stroke in utero. And our oldest is over in 98. Uh, she is on a, a break from vision therapy because she deserves one. <laughs> but so the age range is all ages. And a person doesn't have to be verbal. And maybe another time I can come back and talk about those on the autism spectrum. Um, and uh, that the patients have taught me as much as I've taught them at the very beginning. And how you don't have to be verbal to have a vision evaluation. There are other ways to gain information with retina scopes and watching behavior and all the different tools we have at our disposal, prisms and lenses and light therapy, and there's just a myriad of ways that we can be of benefit if it's needed, and to not only make things better, but also enhance vision, and, and you didn't even get to the gifted, uh, those with giftedness, and twice right. exceptional, but there are so many areas, and vision can be a piece of the puzzle, 
And when a person says, your eyes are good enough, and you answer back, for what? For what you're doing? And is there more that could be of help? Well, Nancy, thank you so much for your words of wisdom. It's always an honor to be with you. Check out Dr. T at her website, alderwoodvisiontherapy.com, and we'll have that in the show notes. Thanks to everybody. In your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.